So as we transition again here, again, good morning. Glad that you're all here. It's always a joy to see you guys each and every Sunday morning. Hope that your week has gone well. Got some snow still on the ground. Kind of survived your first little ice storm there this week. Um, as we begin the, the third week of Advent, Christmas is right around the corner. Just a, a heads up, playing into the stereotype, a heads up to all the guys out there. Christmas is right around the corner, so you might want to think about, you know, looking at the lists this week, so in the following week you can do that last-minute shopping. You know, as we, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, things just become more and more of a blur. You have more get-togethers. I have something just about every single night this week that I'll be doing. Um, you know, and after next week, we'll be going back to Ohio, and I've got four or five different meetings planned there to where not all just Christmases, but just different people that want to meet. And, you know, it's always go, go, go. Never really seems much like a break. But, you know, when we get around this time, we make a lot of different preparations. We make some lists. We check them twice. We have our schedules. I even try to, you know, say no to some things so that you can plan in some rest and try to enjoy the season a little bit because it's such a hassle or such a frazzled time where you're always on the go or you're always doing different things. But, you know, preparations are just that. They're preparations. Things come in, curveballs get thrown, and you might have to adjust your schedule every now and then. You have to, to roll with the punches, as they say. You try to be as prepared as you can for what comes up. Um, and to some extent, you know, priorities dictate what you're going to be preparing for. Um, and today, as we come into this third week of Advent, we're going to be talking about preparation. Normally, this is a week one or two type of thing, but as the Lord has kind of led a little bit differently this year, um, I'm just, again, rolling with where the Lord leads. So this morning, we're going to be rereading Isaiah 12. And I do have some slides for you today, but you can join me with me in the Bibles if you have them or look up at the screen. So Isaiah chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." And Father, as we continue in your word, I just pray that you would guide our hearts and minds to get a truer sense of who you are and what you have done, so that we can relay that to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this morning, I want to make this connection to preparedness in our lives, to themes that run consistently through the Bible. So today there's going to be kind of a scripture dump upon you. And I apologize for that. But, you know, kind of jot them down. I will have slides for all of them. 
but you can jot them down or you can go back home and study them. But what I want to show is different consistency. And I want to start with how we read our passage in Luke this morning for our call to worship. You know, we read about this wonderful prophecy with John the Baptist and how he was um, going to be, how he's going to be called the prophet to the Most High. He was going to go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of sins. You know, it's, it's a prophecy that was spoken over him as a baby. And it's, it's a pretty high calling. It's a pretty high prophecy. And you could think, there's a lot of pressure behind that. You know, it makes you think of maybe your own parents and the expectations that they've had in your life. Whether or not you've lived up to them, maybe you've felt that type of pressure and how to meet what has been called out for your life. And I want to draw out for us today with preparedness, it can come in multiple different layers, multiple different areas of our lives. And we apply this in many different ways. And I want us to be able to discern from what those worldly expectations might be versus the godly expectations, what God calls for us to be as his followers, as believers. You know, the Lord has been working in our lives through the word, through the Holy Spirit, through others to mold us and to shape us, to prepare us for where we are today. You know, think about where you are today. What has happened in your life to get you here? Even currently, presently, within this body, within this church, why did you come here this morning? What, are, what have you been prepared for along the way? Who is invested in your life? What type of skills have you learned along the way? How have our worldviews been shaped by others to prepare us for where we are now, hopefully closer to the Lord? You know, think about the preparation that has gone into your life well. And you think of the purposes behind that. You know, and again, just for today. When we think of the future, I expect, you know, more growth, more maturity to happen. But where is Christ with you today? Something for us to ponder a little bit, to reflect on this week. You know, if you're a parent, you've probably pre prepared your children for something, raising them in the way that they should go. Maybe you hold a position of authority in your workplace and you've trained different workers for the tasks that they're going to be doing. What about in our marriages? How do we come alongside of one another to prepare your spouse? Prepare them for what? You know, within these questions, hopefully you realize there's a purpose, there's a vision, there's a goal that is in mind that we have. And again, preparedness can come in different layers in terms of where our priorities are lying at this time. We see in Zechariah's prophecy that he is aligning himself to what the angel of the Lord had told him. Now, he did have to spend some time in quiet reflection, shall I say, to you know, align himself with that purpose. But as he is aligned, he is then speaking these words of God over his son. He is confirming these things. In Isaiah, again, speaking of in that day, he says in verse 4 and 5, to give thanks to the Lord, to call upon his name, 
and to make known the deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. And again, I want to stress, within this song, it is future. He is speaking to the future Israelites. Currently, remember what their situation is. They're about to be heading into exile. Some of them already are in exile. They're going to be suffering through this trial. So how is this song an encouragement to this people? You know, the way that I view this song is that it shows such great consistency throughout Scripture. It adds to that consistency that we see about who God's people are to be in terms of to be prepared and to prepare. The Israelites have been told since the beginning to be a blessing. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, Abraham and his descendants are to tell other nations about God. That is how they are to be a blessing. Paul picks up on this in Galatians 3, verses 8 and 9. And Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know, the Israelites, they had faith in God and his promise of the Messiah. That's what we see from the God-fears in the Old Testament. They, they believed in the one who would save them. As time went on, they were called to remember the deeds that the Lord had done um, for their sakes, also for the sakes of the Gentiles, in order to give them confidence for the hope of the promises of God in who he is and that he is a, a God who's, who does what he says he will do. And he has promised the Messiah to come for them. This is what they were to be about as the people of God. And then throughout Scripture, we see this consistency. We also see how many times the Israelites failed at being the blessing to others. We see how the Gentiles at times had more faith in the Hebrew God than the Hebrews did. They knew when the Lord fought for them and when he didn't. They understand, they believed in the power of God, sometimes better than the Israelites did. Down through the kings, through the prophets, God's people were always to be his witnesses. In Zechariah 8.13, it says, And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. The people were always to be prepared to recount the things of God, to tell who he is and what he has done in the light of his coming. They were to maintain God as their stronghold, as their strength, and to continue to keep their faith in him. Jesus continued the same consistent theme as he taught with many parables, talking about being prepared, talking about um, the ten, ten bridesmaids, the wedding invitations, and parables like this, 
that talked about preparing the way of the Lord. This leads us, of course, into the Great Commission. All authority, as Jesus says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. We find a similar charge in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if... I didn't put that one on there. Okay, I thought I got them all, but I didn't. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation with the gospel message. And in Matthew 5, Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now we are God's workmanship. We are new creations in him, prepared for a purpose, sent to be his ambassadors, making disciples along the way. Now I realize I just hit you again with a fire hose of scripture. So let's take a moment, take a deep breath, and try to process some of this to see, again, how the Bible is consistent. As we follow God in our faith, as we read the words of Scripture, you know, especially the New Testament verses that we went over here at the, at the end, I think with that pointedness, we see our calling. But at the same time, as we look through those Old Testament Scriptures, we see how the calling for the people of God has been the same since the beginning, through the generations of the people, to prepare the way of the Lord. Yes, when we look at John the Baptist, he had a very specific role in that he was to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins, and he was able to baptize Jesus. But the commands in the Bible for the believers are still there. There's still many, and they're very consistent. Because we too go and preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We too baptize people in the name of Jesus. We too prepare for the way of the Lord in people's lives. We get to be a blessing to others as we take the gospel message to where they are. God throughout the Bible uses people, broken people, to accomplish his will. As believers... As his vessels, with the Holy Spirit residing in us, we go. We have this awesome responsibility to tell others about the Creator, about who God is, about the tragedy of the fall and what happened with sin and how we were separated from the Father and then how the love of the Father came in the form of Jesus to die on the cross to pay for those sins. We get to share the gospel message to help prepare hearts and minds for Christ. 
Can all of us baptize Jesus? No. But we are one body with many parts, each gifted according to the Spirit. Our gifts are different than talents, but we are each called to be His ambassadors, sent into the world to make disciples, baptizing people and teaching them to obey everything that He has commanded. So with that in mind, let's look back in Isaiah in verses 4 and 5 and kind of break apart this text a little bit to see how this preparation should impact us. The second part of verse 4, where it says, we make known his deeds. This is scriptural. We are to recount what the Lord has done. We are to recount what the Bible says. We help to make application in people's lives, and we help to call people to repentance or to call people back to the Lord. We celebrate and we encourage with one another, with spiritual songs, with passages like these, to recount what the Lord has done in our life. We make his deeds known through our testimonies. We make it personal in that way. In all of this, we are trying to relay the promises and the prophecies of what has happened and what is still yet to come. We proclaim that his name is exalted. This shows that his name is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. This proclamation will not go over well in a world that is humanistic, that is big on relativism, that is about themselves and their own agendas. We're going to face that hatred, but Jesus warned us about that beforehand. We still go and we proclaim his name as the only name under the heavens which man can be saved. Saved from sin, saved unto glory. Because of that, we sing praises to the Lord. Now this time of the year, we've got all kinds of different praise songs that we sing that are festive, that go with Christmas time, and it's oftentimes reflective of the incarnation. Um, Maybe you have your favorite secular Christmas songs that you're listening to. Other times of the year, it might not be as directed. I mean, you have definite Easter songs that we would sing around uh, Resurrection Day. Um, But throughout the year, we are to be singing praises because we know what God has done for us overall. Even through hard times, even through trials, we still sing praises to God for who he is. It's not the easiest thing to do in the world. You know, I think I've really always empathized uh, with Aaron in the Bible, who watches his two sons die. And then Moses is like, hey, um, still got to go give these sacrifices. And he does. He goes and he serves. And you, you put yourself in that type of situation, those shoes. Could you be able to do that? Suffering the way that you are. But it's in those types of moments where you, when you know and you feel God working through you, where you're relying on his strength to get you through. You know, and, and it's moments like that where you see God show up in strong ways, marvelous ways to work through your brokenness and impact other people's faiths, and you get to be a part of that. How can you not keep from singing? 
Yes, it's hard to walk through. Yes, it's hard to go through. But you know that God is right there with you. And that's the beauty behind it. Through your pain, he is right there. Through the hard circumstances, he is right there. And you know that in a deep, intimate, personal knowledge, no. Not just conjecture, not just platitudes. But because you're taking those steps of faith through that, you know that his presence is there. And it causes us to sing because he is the one that we can count on. And we sing his praises and his grace because he has done glorious things. You know, you think about the glorious things that God has done, the greatest, of course, being salvation, right? But when you reflect in your own life what God has done for you, I mean, I can't count all of those things. They're all wonderful, but there are a few that definitely stand out where I knew it was the hand of God moving in our life. You know, a big example is moving out here to Iowa. You know, and some people might say, Brett's not here, but are you sure? Emphatically, I say yes. I'm sure. God's hand has been all over our move out here. Has it been rough at times? Yeah. But the joy in that is because we're a body, you all have helped smooth all of that out by sharing love, by being the hands and feet of Christ to my family. Everything that we face, you're going to have hardships, you're going to have trials within it. But we get to be a body together to walk that road with each other. Um, I can remember going through seminary. First day of classes, Micah was born. In the middle of seminary, Aaliyah was born. So we're a young family. I'm a full-time student. Elaine's a part-time worker. We've got three young kids. Never missed a bill. Never missed a meal. We paid off different loans in that time. I don't know how, other than God provided in miraculous ways. You can see the hand of God in those types of things. When I used to hunt a lot, I would oftentimes just go and sit by the Ohio River in the woods and just marvel at the majesty of God and his creation. Being able to, to rest in his goodness. You know, reflect on your personal life the glorious things that God has done and see if you can't sing, if you're not going to sing praises to him. In ministry, I've watched God bring deliverance to people, healing, salvations, repentances, marriages being restored, births, deaths, some of it hard to go through, but all of it glorious. What it does is it infuses me with a passion and a love for him that causes me to go tell others about who he is and what he has done. Because I've seen God move and work in me and others through his word, through other giftings. I find him in prayer, and I relay that to others, primarily anymore through messages. You know, I did, I talked to Jared on Friday. I had an opportunity this week that I failed in. It wasn't until after the fact, like, I didn't tell him about Jesus. You know, and it's one where the Spirit convicted me. is like, you, you had an opportunity, and I missed it. And you kicked yourself in the butt for it. And I thought, well, he's got to come back, so I'll just dump it on him then. 
you know, and he didn't come yesterday, so he'll probably be coming tomorrow. But it's, it's one of those opportunities where it's right there in front of you. Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear where you're moving. And allow me to be a part of that. The more that we're in tune with the praising of God, the more that we're going to be able to see those types of things. If we're too wrapped up in our own worlds and the stresses and the confusion and the chaos of Christmas and things like that, that's where our minds are going to be. But if we're wrapped up in praising God, if we're wrapped up in the glorious things that he has done, that's what's going to come out of us. You know, from the heart, you know, from the mouth speaks the heart, right? What are we filling ourselves with? Because it's going to show on that side. But, you know, primarily, and again, anymore, it's through the messages that I'm relaying these things. But that's, that's me. That's where God has called me to be at this stage in my life. He has called me to be in this type of position to prepare the way of the Lord, sharing the gospel message, shepherding a body of believers to then go, to grow in their faith, to be the church. Church is a place that we come to be equipped, to hear the gospel message, to be recharged. And yeah, the battle can be here. But our mission field is out there. The lost is out there that we get to be involved with, that we get to be intertwined with, that we get to share and be a blessing with, to let the glorious things be made known in all of the earth, where we get to go to our Jerusalems, our Samarias, our Judeas, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm not special just because I'm standing up here. Collectively, as a body, as a church, we do this together. Our calling is to go and make disciples, discipling people to follow the commands of God, to walk in his footsteps, bringing them up in the way that they should go. It's not just a calling for the pastor. It takes a church, a church working together, equipped, working in the giftings of the Spirit, walking with the Spirit to go. That is the vision, that is the portrait of what a church should be. Not just coming here on Sundays, hearing a message, singing some songs, getting a couple of chuckles, and then going about our way. Church is a lifestyle that we get to live together. You know, Isaiah had a specific calling as a prophet to the people of God to call them to repent. John the Baptist had a specific purpose that aligned with the first advent of the Lord calling people to repent, to the forgiveness of sins. We, too, have a specific calling that lines up with the second advent of the Lord. And it, too, deals with repentance. It, too, deals with the forgiveness of sins. Sharing the gospel message, to go and share the glorious things that God has done, sharing the good news with others. We are his ambassadors and it is a heavenly calling. There is a lot of pressure that is on the line. Heaven and hell type of pressure. But we are strengthened by his spirit and by his word to go. We are growing in the image of Christ constantly. Going and doing what he has called us to do. So this Christmas season, challenge yourself to be open to sharing the good news with one other person. 
Share the hope that is in you. Spend some time reflecting on those glorious things. Spend some time singing praise to God to get your heart and your mind in the right mindset to go. Because he will return for his bride. And people need to be prepared. People need to be ready. We are the ambassadors. We are the means that God will use to do that. Let's pray. Father, as we get to come alongside of you in this journey, Lord, we are, we are humble in that. Lord, nothing of this is of us. It is for you and you alone for your glory. But the fact that we get to be a part of it is so exciting. During this season, this time of joy, this time of thankfulness, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and minds, that you would help us to take the right steps, to be in the right mindset, to worship you each and every day, not just on Sundays, to be on the lookout for the opportunities that you've put before us. Lord, we, we seek forgiveness for those times that we were selfish, we were lazy, uh, we didn't have the eyes to see. We thank you for the grace that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we can walk closer with your spirit to be able to see and recognize those times that you would give us the words to say in those moments and that it wouldn't come out of uh, a feeling of being forced or because the pastor said, but Lord, because we're reflecting on who you are and what you have done. Lord, the fact that you sent your son to die in our place is truly humbling. We are so thankful We have nothing but praise. Help us to live that type of life, to then go out and share the gospel message. Faith comes by hearing, Lord, and we just pray that your spirit would be upon the times that we share, that your spirit would come upon the lost in our lives, to have open ears, that seeds would be planted and watered Lord, the field is ripe, but the workers are few. Help us to be strong workers for you as your ambassadors to go and make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.